Hello, Pastor Deborah here again. I'm coming to you once again through Zoom with a wonderful motion video from Pixabay. I'm going to put this video through my video editing program, Wondershare from Mora number 12. And I'm going to bring to you another section, another episode, another part of the School of Light, the Kingdom of Agape Love, volume number one. We have been working through a true story of Pastor Deborah. Very personal story of one part of me named Jan who died and of Pastor Deborah who was rebirthed, sort of resurrected, reincarnated inside of this dirt body and who now is talking to you. It's a story of death. It's a story of birth, death, rebirth. And now it's coming to you. We are picking up in the story called It's Time. I make lots of references to it. On many other videos and live radio talk shows that I do in helping people the Lord's way. I had to become someone new in order to help you a different way than mental health counseling. There was a wonderful father, a king, a lord, a master, a god, who wanted me to change, be rebirthed, reincarnated into the identity, the spiritual person that I was to be, so he could work with me, partner with me, to help you his way. Not a denominational way or a non-denominational way or even the way of religion or even the way of faith. It was the way of the kingdom of heaven and the king's way. But first, I had to be changed myself. So here in this story, part number six of its time, Pastor Deborah's story, personal, of how I was and became a creature named Jan, who died, and how a new reincarnated, rebirthed person named Pastor Deborah came up on the inside of me to help you the Lord's way. So let's get into It's Time. Part number six. We want to welcome you no matter where you're from. Whether you're here with me in the garden. If you're on an airplane. If you're at home. If you're in a coma, asleep. And you're seeing me and hearing me in your dreams. Or watching on YouTube. Or on Twitter. Or on LinkedIn. Doesn't matter. This is a true story about me. You won't hear many pastors talk about their life. They don't want you to know all the things they've been through or are going through. God had me write down everything. For years and years and years, I did. I went through an experience. 
that I wrote about it. A lot of it's not pretty. A lot of it was horrible. Humiliating. Fearful. Life and death. Challenging. I was all alone. I couldn't talk to friends. Didn't have any. Couldn't talk to husband. He wasn't called to this. Couldn't talk to my son. He was but a child. All I had was God. Through the Holy Spirit. Through his word. Through his presence. I learned about him in a deep, deep way. By going to the Brownsville Assembly of God Global Revival. From Father's Day 1995 to about 2005. Right here in Pensacola, Florida. I knew nothing about revival. Didn't know anything about Pentecostalism. But this was a non-denominational event. Not an Assembly of God revival. Happened to be housed in a church. Not far from my house. Both my son and I partook of it for years. Changed our lives. You'll see a lot of their videos on YouTube. With evangelist Steve Hill. And the pastor of the church at that time was Pastor John Kilpatrick. He has his own ministry. He's moved on over to, I think, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Steve Hill has passed away into heaven. But the videos, the atmosphere... His preaching, Steve's, he was a missionary evangelist. He was calling us to God to come down to the altar, get right with God and get the sin out. Even if you were born again, then God would clean you up. He would pray for you to touch him, Lord. Pastor Deborah always fell down. All my physical strength would be gone. I'd lay there in the presence, the glory blanket of the Lord. God talked to my spirit. Washed it, cleansed it, help it to come revived. It was a powerful time. Most Christians, probably almost a hundred percent of them, never even came. Not even from here in the local Pensacola area. But it changed my life. And you can see the videos on YouTube. You can watch them as though you're there. We used to watch a lot of them on TV ourselves or listen to it on the radio. God can touch you. He's still on. Has those videos anointed. The preaching of Steve. You'll see the altar calls. That I was a part of. For many many years. But you don't have to have that kind of experience. To be touched by God. We learned that you can be touched. All by yourself. Paul was riding a horse. God can show up and knock you down. And change your life. You can have a dream. And be touched by God. You can be touched by God in a coma. You can be touched by God driving your car. Watching television. Out in your yard working. Right when you're getting ready to have illegal, immoral sex. Gamble. Play the lottery. Vote. God can show up. That's right. He'll draw you. He wants to help you to get changed so he can work with you and become a partner. That's what happened to Pastor Deborah. But let's pick up in part number six of its time. First, let's open up with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are on the throne. Your victory has already been won. 
and you are doing the battle here on earth. The victory is guaranteed. We've read the end of your book. Our enemy is still here and allowed to roam freely unless we, the kings of your kingdom, your believers, bind him up. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit, our master teacher, giving us your word through Christ Jesus, the anointed king. Thank you for Jesus Christ who came to teach us how to be a teacher and a prophet, a king, to use your authority and dominion out of Genesis 1, 26 and 28. Thank you for giving us a Hebrews 4.12, a spiritual circumcision to bring our spirit up out of the miry clay of the flesh of the soul. And thank you, Father, for working, fulfilling your word of Isaiah 61 and 62 that you prophesied through the Old Testament prophet Isaiah to be about your work in humanity. So that you are glorified. That the kingdom of heaven is the rulership, the leadership. Not only in our physical body, our soul and our spirit. But out to the earth and all the galaxies. Thank you, Father, for being with us. Wanting a family. Wanting us to help you on this colony called earth. Out in this world called nature. Thank you, Father, for helping us and being with us. And doing all that's necessary to change us into the spiritual beings, a spiritual king of the kingdom of heaven. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. All right, we had just finished a prayer in part number five that I used to pray when I was maybe three or four and five, kneeling down by the side of my bed with my father. I'll read it to you again so you can get the idea Remember, I'm taking you back to my beginnings. Because you have to understand yourself, how you got started. So God had me sit down for several nights, probably in the middle of the night. He'd wake me up and I'd go sit down at a desk. I would start writing, I thought. But it was really him in me, through his Holy Spirit, writing. When I was finished, I really didn't remember it, writing it. It came so easily. When you work with God, he does the work. He's in me. He's coming through me spiritually. So this is his story about me and him, about a life, a death, and a rebirth called It's Time. Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. May angels watch me through the night and wake me with the morning light. Jesus, bless my mommy and daddy and my brother and all my friends and all the people of the world. Amen. A very simple child's prayer. I have the memory of it from, that was Debbie, Deb at that time, not Jan, that was praying that. And it wasn't Pastor Deborah at that time. So as 
Debbie Groom. The story goes, my father was in the military, the Air Force. We got transferred to Montgomery, Alabama. He was working at Maxwell Air Force Base, and he retired. So he moved off base because he went to work as a civil servant at Gunter Air Force Base. So he lived in a house in a neighborhood. I went to the local elementary school. I walked. We didn't have buses. Or at least I didn't ride one. It was called Dalreda Elementary School. And I found out my primary care physician, Dr. Dunn, had gone to Dalreda. Mm-hmm. Small world. And when I walked into the fifth grade, we had just moved off base. I still had a northern accent because we had lived up north and I had lived on base. And I even had trouble on base because we had a southern teacher. I did not understand the southern accent. I had a northern accent. I was young enough, I actually picked it up. And my word I'm going to use to help is pie, like a apple pie. But I used to say pie, pie, a southern accent, pie. And I had to work very hard to say pie. Because the accents are different. Same word, same spelling, P-I-E. But when I came to the fifth grade, I couldn't understand the kids, the teachers. So when I walked into the classroom, school had already started. Because in the military, you move around and you enter all times of the year. The teacher, I think his name was Mr. Salter, fifth grade. He was going to introduce me. And he introduced some of the girls, and there was quite a few Debbies in the classroom. My family had either been calling me Deb or Debbie at the time. But my middle name was, my full name was Deborah Jan. That's right. The last name was Coyle, C-O-Y-L-E. Very Irish, Northern Irish name. Well, I wanted to be different. I wanted it to be unique. So I told him my name was Jan. Never been called that before. Right then and there, by my own will, I became Jan. I created an identity of me. I went home and told my parents and my brother, please call me Jan now. And that's when Jan was birthed. I birthed Jan myself in the fifth grade. And from then on, until Jan died, that's who I was. I sort of created a multiple personality. Did I disassociate? Yes. By my own free will, not through trauma, but there was fear there of being, not wanting to be the same, to be distinguished from all the other Debbies. Somehow I knew I was different because these people in the fifth grade had not been in the military. Their parents, they were Southerners. They had grown up right there in Montgomery, Alabama, in the Dalreda section, sort of on the east side of town. Little small area. Didn't understand them because their accent was so deep in the Southern accent. I still was had a very Northern accent. They had not lived on military bases. They had not traveled the world been around airplanes and guns and bullets and soldiers and marching. There were Southerners. 
I didn't know anything about the South. Really didn't know that there was a civil war of the colors. Didn't understand the Southern culture, the love of football and farming and cows and agriculture. I knew military, soldiers, traveling the world. I'd already been to Hawaii and Guam, Illinois, Canada, California, Texas. I had already traveled, been around people from all over the world, been to the Philippines. And here I was, who I said through my own words, Jan was here. So as Jan grew, that was about 1957. That was a different millennium ago. As I grew, I went through elementary school, Tarreta, middle, junior high school. I think that was called Goodwin. Used to walk. Didn't have a school bus. I walked miles by myself. Went under a street underpass, walked. Walked to school, walked home. In Goodwin, it was the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Then I went to Robert E. Lee High School. Took the city bus. I don't think there was a city bus. By that time, I started, I was 16, and I drove. And um, so I graduated in 1970 from Robert E. Lee High School. Then I went off to college, to Troy State University. That was in the southern part of the state of Alabama. I started at Maxwell Air Force Base in summer school. My grades weren't that great. Don't talk to me about math because I didn't even learn geometry or algebra. But I was a reader. I loved history, science, politics. Didn't do too well in the 10th grade with biology when we had to dissect a frog. Didn't really like that. Didn't really like learning all the different elements in chemistry. Played uh, gymnastics. Was in tab. Was in uh, aerobics. Had boyfriends, but I knew nothing of sex. I didn't think, I didn't know what sex was. Didn't have a clue that it had anything to do with having a boyfriend. But time I got to the 12th grade, for the girls, the rule was, you're either going to college or you're getting married. You should, ha- And if you're going to get married, you should be engaged by your 12th grade. Well, I ended up getting a boyfriend, got a promise ring, and he was three years older than me, and he was at Auburn University. His name was Bobby. But I was really going to Troy for another guy named Glenn. He was also three years older than I was. Boy, was I messed up. So I go to Troy as a freshman. And I live in the dorms. And I meet a girl named Teresa. I had a lot of family issues. And from there, life began as a college student. I was still a virgin. Didn't believe at that time. But that changed. Within my first year. With a guy named Keeney. That wasn't a pleasant night. I think I had drugs. Marijuana. And after the sort of initial event. I got up and ran out of that trailer. 
ran miles and miles back to my dorm. Freaked me out. I had no teaching on sex or intercourse. Bikini, that was his last name, became my boyfriend off and on for the next four years. A lot of hurt and trauma to Jan. I think he was a fraternity brother, TKE. Had met a lot of other guys at Auburn University. Had lots of sex. Did lots of drugs. Jan was not developing well. During those college years, I still read my same Bible. Didn't go to really any official church, but I did go. I even went to a Christian commune with hippies. Began reading The Lord of the Rings in college. It was during the years of the Vietnam War and the draft. And I was into drugs, alcohol, sex, rebellious. I burned the bra, got out of dresses and put on pants. I used to have long, long straight hair. And I bought a wig so it looked like this, but it was dark. Yeah, I used to have dark hair until the change of life came. So when I were going to pick up in my sort of college years, they weren't pretty at all. A lot of hurt. A lot of fear of pregnancy. There was some sexual abuse. Yes. A lot of trauma. Rejection. Hurt. Tears. Being drunk an awful lot. A lot more sex. Oh, you think Pastor Deborah was a good person? You think Pastor Deborah? That wasn't me. That was Jan. Jan was horrible. I don't know how God put up with me. My parents knew nothing. My brother knew nothing. But that was the life that Jan was living. So let's pick up in college. I went to many, many churches. Christian communes in Georgia. Always looking for God. And something I could not find. And something I didn't know what it was I was searching for. But I was looking. Was it really Jan? No. Jan wasn't looking. She wanted boys. She wanted a solid relationship. She wanted probably to get married, I guess. Jan was not pretty. As I said, Jan grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, living in just one house the entire time. I think the address was 3609 Mayfair Road. Yeah, I still have that memory. or That's Jan's memory. That's going to be important later on in this story, that house that Jan grew up in. The house was located in Dalrada section of Montgomery, Alabama, just up the hill from Gunter Air Force Base. I attended Dalrada Elementary School, like I said, Goodwin Junior High School and Robert E. Lee High School, then off to Troy State in Troy, Alabama for two years. Then I transferred to the University of Alabama for only one semester. I stayed out of college for a while 
because of great emotional trauma from a broken relationship with Keeney, who was, I had been with him off and on for about three years. The heartache was so bad, it took a toll on Jan. But after some time, I worked in a daycare center, stayed at home with my parents. I went back to Troy in Troy, Alabama to finish my degree. I lived in a house with a little dog. I didn't live in the dorms anymore. And then off to graduate school at Troy University on Maxwell Air Force Base with all military officers, all men. Through the many heartaches from broken relationships, the sex to find acceptance and love. The drugs to dull the pain and to fit in with some type of friends and a crowd. To even dating married men, God was still protecting his spiritual purposes he had for me and him. He watched over me, even through the bad potential sexual rapes the abuse, the emotional abuse, the activities of a mentally ill mother, a runaway brother who was also became mentally ill. Through the drugs, through the alcohol. Did you know Jan kept marijuana at home and her parents didn't know about it? I sold drugs to friends. I knew drug dealers. Did lots of marijuana. Went to parties where we took pills. Did uppers. Did downers. You just wouldn't believe what had gone into me. Plus I drank alcohol. I never smoked cigarettes because I was allergic to the tobacco. I lived with boys. I cooked for them. Showered with them. Jan was not a nice person. But God stayed with me. And protected me. I never got pregnant. Never had an abortion. I never was violently raped. Almost. It's not really beaten. But I was humiliated. Shamed. Embarrassed. No telling what God would. He must have been in tears. But that was Jan's life. Who was going to die soon. But she didn't know it. Through the many heartaches from broken relationships, many boyfriends, the sex to find acceptance and love, the drugs to dull the pain, and to fit in with some type of friends and a crowd, to even dating married men, God was helping me. I was a mess. Jan was a mess. Jan did not hear the voice of God's warnings, nor did he consciously speak to her about her life. Just lots and lots of emotional pain and hurt. My parents could not be there for Jan. My mother had her own mental health, mental illness, 
And my father was trying to help her. My brother had run away from home. I was all alone. Had my Bible. But I had really no girlfriends. It was just me. At least I thought. There was no spiritual knowledge. But I kept going to church. To Southern Baptist. Methodist. Kept reading my Bible. Listening to soothing music. Desiring a peaceful house with nobody in it. And to this day, I am so content when even husband is away. The house is peaceful and quiet. I was seeking peace. And all I could think of was I'm sure glad nobody's at home. Because when they were, the house was in turmoil. I lied to my parents, told my mother, go to hell. But she wouldn't let me watch a movie. Snuck out of the house. Snuck in. Brought Keeney into my house when my parents were gone to spend the weekend. Jan was not nice. Can't imagine it when you look at my story now. There was no spiritual knowledge. Just pure ignorance, darkness, and sin. In my life and with the people. And the things around me. Oh, Jan believed in Jesus as Savior, but knew nothing of him being her Lord and King. Nothing of the kingdom of heaven. Nothing of the Father. Nothing of Satan either. Throughout all these many years, Jan went to church, as I said, Southern Baptist mostly. Went to youth groups, summer camps, sang in youth choirs, went to Sunday school, would even walk to church every Sunday, miles and miles, when nobody else in the family was going. I I was going after God faithfully, not finding him, but something was driving me. Jan sought peace at home, as I said, and spent many, many hours alone, just listening to soft, peaceful music, reading to get knowledge of everything, love books, libraries. That's all we had. We had no social media, no internet. We had television, but I didn't watch that during the day, didn't watch the soap operas, Didn't watch too much of it at nighttime. But that's when Star Trek came out on television. Loved it. Didn't care about sports. I read books. When I was in middle school, I read Mein Kampf. About from Adolf Hitler. I wanted to learn about the movie stars. Learned that Vivian Lee went mentally ill. Patty Duke had problems. Read about Greta Garbo. I read about... True stories of Russian pilots fleeing Russia in a MiG plane. I read true stories of World War II. I wanted to know, so God started me there, reading, reading, and watching Star Trek. I love Star Trek. Books became my lifeline of knowledge. And truth. They would be used later 
by God to help to spiritually educate me and develop into the fullness of Pastor Deborah and the ministry I was to have with him. Jan's parents never talked to me, never talked to her, excuse me, about life, marriage, sex, the change of life, about problems in a family or marriage or in the world. And boy, did we have problems. My expectation was to get married to a Air Force officer. Probably quit my job and stay at home. I was to be educated. But there was no family discussions from my mother or my father. My, I grew up in a mentally, with a mentally ill mother, a distant father, a distant brother. He was four years older. I learned a lot about my brother later on in years. He had been cursed by God, by Satan, excuse me, to be rejected and abandoned. The story goes that four generations back on my father's side, who was from Northern Ireland, there was a lady. She had sex with, relationship with a Druid high priest. We called him a Satanist and a witch. She got pregnant and had the child. Well, the Druid high priest wanted to sacrifice this child to his Lord, who he was serving, who was Satan. But the lady wanted it, so she made a deal with Satan that if she could keep that baby, he could have her fourth generational grandchild, the firstborn. Deal was done. That child was my brother. He was rejected and abandoned, sort of emotionally, by his mother. And he became mentally ill because of it. I think I tell that in another story. And that was the family that Jan grew up in. Well, there were many, many problems in Jan's family. Jan felt that since the age of six or seven, she really grew up without a mother who had started exhibiting emotional and mental issues. When I was six, my brother was ten. He had started. But Jan's mother never got any help from a psychiatrist. Medicine. I saw her go through the change of life. It wasn't good. Crying all the time. Depressed. So I really grew up without a mother. I called the helpline, suicide line, to get help for her. That didn't work. I believe she said she went to a psychiatrist once. He asked her one question. It was personal. And that was the end of her meeting with a doctor. She was on medicine, didn't really know what it was. Some kind of hormone replacement and other things. My father was working this time two jobs, day and night. He was at home. Brother running away from home. My mother mentally ill. I was left to the wolves of Isengard, so to speak, and the orcs of the world. Jan was. No one was talking. In an officer's family, you do not speak about any problems. You do not go to counseling. It could affect your reputation 
within the Air Force. You kept silent. You just sucked it up. And that's what we did. So Jan took a vow to herself that when she had a family and children, she would talk to them about life and all the things she had never been talked about. And I fulfilled that with my son. I took a private, quiet vow that I would talk. I wouldn't raise my children in a home life like I had. Jan had no truth, no answers. So I became a truth seeker in books, biographies of people, history. And I learned books and reading and studying so that my life as Jan could get answers she was seeking. Then Jan would make friends with the most ungodly, disabled, outcast people. And people would ask Jan, how could I be with them? They were in wheelchairs. They seemed mentally ill. They were of different skin color, black in the South. Boys of different ages. Children. Grown men. They would ask me, how, how could you stand to be with that person in that wheelchair? Looked like they had several palsy. Or they were a drug addict. I even took, during these years, or Jan did, the second in command, all military operations of South Vietnam. Put him in my car, because he had come to the Allied Officer School to learn where my father was a teacher. He had never seen the beaches, so I took him down to Panama City Beach, Florida, myself. I was around people from Greece, Ethiopia, Italy, England, Greece, Saudi Arabia. I have a deep connection to Saudi Arabia, even as Deborah. My father, when he was in the military, served with General Patton. He was over in Saudi Arabia. My mother's side of the family, they worked with Standard Oil in Saudi Arabia. I was comfortable with the Arabians, the Arabs. Comfortable with Africans, people from Europe. Most Southerners weren't like that, but I was. And people would ask me, how could you be with them? I'd say, I don't know. I love them. And I'd give my love out during the day, I would say, and then God would fill me up at nighttime. I was a busy person, and I didn't even know it. Even then, the spiritual man inside of Jan was spiritually operating out of agape love. A God of the kingdom of heaven and didn't even know that she was. Then Jan after many years of dating, after she graduated from Troy State University in Montgomery, Alabama, she moved to Pensacola, Florida. By that time, the family had bought a beach house out on Pensacola Beach for Jan's brother to live in and go to Pensacola Junior College. He did, and he moved on to Florida State. 
Jan moved down there in seven, 1976 with a master's degree. She had met a girl who was a cousin of a former boyfriend. She knew nobody, but she was going to leave Montgomery. And she moved to Pensacola, Florida, where the Navy was there. All right, Jan was going to go find a naval officer. That didn't work out either. Had sex with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Looking. Got into, Jan got into scuba diving. Traveled the world scuba diving. And a lot of good-looking, healthy young men. Had a lot of sex, even down in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Jan was looking, seeking a partner, a husband. Well, eventually found. His name was John. From New York City, a Yankee, Master Chief in the Navy. We scuba dived together. We got married to Jan after living together up in Hampton Roads, Newport News, Virginia. He was going to go on the newest nuclear aircraft called the Carl Vinson. But Jan got married. Now that's real important when Pastor Deborah comes up. Jan married the wrong person. Even Jan's conscience was telling her, don't go, don't marry him. He didn't want a house. He didn't want dogs. He didn't want children. Jan had the memory going to the bathroom, sitting on the floor crying. that This was not the right person. But at that time, Jan was 28. The clock was ticking. Girls were under pressure to get married and have a family. Nothing had worked out since she had become a college graduate with a master's degree. God was cutting every avenue off and didn't even know it. But Jan married John. And Jan went forward. Jan was under pressure to get married. Wanted a naval officer. Got a master chief. The biological clock was ticking. She wanted children. Why? Because that's what society said a woman was to have. To have a family. Not be alone. This man, John, was not prejudiced. He was nice. He was a scuba diver. Had a boat. He had spent most of his adult years so far. He was almost 40. As, and Jan was about 28. Almost 30. Jan was being drawn back to the life of a military family. As in her younger years. A little different. The man was saved. He was a Lutheran. But they lived in sin before they got married. At a home... In Newport News, Virginia. I think the address was 147 Apple Avenue. We got married at home. By a Lutheran pastor. From the ship. The Carl Vincent. The vow Jan took to God. And to this man. Is still in effect. Through Deborah. For Deborah. When she arose. Decided to uphold the marriage. Vow of Jan. Deborah did not marry this John. Jan did. 
But Deborah decided at God's leading to uphold the vow. She'll make sure this man, John, gets buried properly in the mil- with military style, takes care of him in life. He never interferes with Deborah doing anything for God. Doesn't really know what Deborah does. But he does believe he will be in heaven. Two months later, after officially and legally getting married, Jan became pregnant with a child. Little did Jan know that evil, dark, satanic forces were at work behind the scenes to kill this baby. Why? Because Jan learned many, many years later that her grandmother of four generations back on her father's side, who was from Ireland, had sexual relations with a satanic high priest and became pregnant. That curse was still in effect even through me to the firstborn male child of this father named Joseph Coyle Sr. They had already gotten my brother, but Satan was not satisfied. He wanted this child, whose name became James, wanted him cursed, abandoned, rejected, killed, if not physically, at least emotionally and spiritually. And that will, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes. And as I said earlier, this forefather, ancestor, made this deal with Satan. So Satan was going and taking this firstborn child of Jan. For his own. Curses run the families. If you don't know about them. I didn't. till much later. Things happen to our children. If you don't know about them. And you wonder why. Satan helped Jan's brother. To feel abandoned and rejected. By his mother. That was the curse. The curse was the mother rejects her own grandchildren to save the one she had. Satan couldn't kill my brother, and he couldn't kill Jan's son, whose name was James, but he did a number on him. Jan's mother was able to be the instrument that Satan used on Jan's brother. Because she had a lot of unforgiveness and bitterness in her life due to her own family situation. Jan's mother was one of three other sisters. Jan's mother, her name was Sarah, was the apple of her father's eye. And what happened was her father died of a heart attack. Jan's mother, Sarah, Blamed her mother and her sisters. A lot of bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, 
between the four girls. And she became mentally ill, had lots of demons. Of course, I didn't know it. And unforgiveness. She died at about 74 with Alzheimer's, with hallucinations, and inoperable stage 3 liver cancer. Jan's mother was a chain smoker inside the house. Jan's physical body had lots of sickness, allergies because of that. So it was not a wonderful life, a lot of trauma, early childhood experiences, fighting, silence, tears, anger, Jan's brother running away from home. So Jan was looking to get married and have some kind of life of peace. And she found someone who was willing to marry her, John. During Jan's younger years, and even in the early marriage years with John, Jan turned, she, Jan survived by turning to God, to the church, to her Bible, to reading the Bible, praying every night. In Jan's family, Satan believed that Jan's brother, his name was Joseph, called him Joey and Joe, that this firstborn and even Jan's firstborn son, James, were his. And so he did evil work to destroy them. In James's case, my personal child, Satan was working in my body, gave me high blood pressure, toxemia. My blood pressure went up. Had protein. James was born a month early, small for his gestational age. It was about three pounds, 14 ounces, a preemie, sort of. Jan's brother, Joe Jr., or Joseph Jr., I don't know anything about his birth. I just know that my mother would reject him and abandon him. Because how it worked in my life growing up in a military family. Remember, Jan's brother is four years older before I came along. Father traveled for the military. He'd go overseas, maybe to Saudi Arabia, on an unaccompanied trip for maybe a year. It was mother and brother alone. Then father would come home and want to be with his wife. And she would want to be with him so she would get a babysitter or would sit with him on the sofa sleep with him in the bed not my brother my brother began to feel rejected abandoned not wanted nobody knew a curse was at work my brother carried that anger that rejection and abandonment all of his life just like my mother did My brother was full of anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment from all his years of perceived and actual rejection, abandonment from his mother. That was the curse at work. His weak soul ties to his father. And he had 
two marriages that both ended up in divorce. This was Jan's brother, who Jan had prayed for to God. So Satan could not kill him, but did a good number on him mentally. Jan's brother became a chain smoker also. Had a brain aneurysm. Couldn't work in normal society. Normal work. Couldn't raise his own kids. He was diagnosed as manic depressive and borderline personality. He eventually had a brain aneurysm from smoking. Became like a two or three year old. Could never live alone again. Had to go to a nursing home. So Satan got him. During his lifetime. But he was a believer in God and is in heaven with his mother and his father. Jan went on, as I said, and she got married and got pregnant two months after her marriage. God was gracious then. James was conceived in a legal marriage. The child James was born one month early at only three pounds, 14 ounces. For Jan's body became toxic to her and the baby. This child would become Jan's firstborn, male, and only biological child she would have that she could have due to medical complications and my safety. This was the child who at 12 years of age, Jan would sacrifice willingly in her heart and mind and soul as a love offering as Abraham had done with his own son, Isaac. This was James's. He was to be sacrificed by myself inside. Then when the child was about three years old and we had, li- and we had lived a life of sin and no church, we had moved from Newport News, Virginia, back to Pensacola, Florida to retire. We loved it in Pensacola, the beach. There were friends here. There was a Navy base. The Holy Spirit spoke so clearly to Jan. I'd never heard his voice. She was driving a car down the street, and he said, Get off the path of sin and back onto his road. And Jan just cried and cried while driving her van. So Jan started back to church with her three-year-old son to a small Lutheran church because her husband was Lutheran in hopes that her husband would go with them for he had grown up Lutheran. His father was Catholic. His mother was Lutheran. But that was not to be. But Jan and her son, James, were faithful to God and his instructions to get off the path of sin and onto the road of righteousness. Jan was coming back spiritually to where God needed her to spiritually be so he could begin his spiritual transformation, her spiritual rebirthing of her spiritual heart and mind and begin the deep cleansing of her spirit that was needed to change her spiritual identity 
to Deborah. Of course, I didn't know any of this. Remember, I'm writing this story maybe 20 years after this event. God desired for Jan to die. He was preparing Jan for his spiritual ministry. And the reason that Deborah was to come up and why she was born into this world. Of course, Jan, who was 34 years of age, married four years, had no idea what was going on, but was going back to church, but she did not know what that would mean to her or to God. But for six years, she and her child, James, were faithful church members and Sunday school attendees and volunteered with the church to help the community. She took every free training that the church offered to help people, for this was the Spirit's identity even then. I had my master's, but I was not yet licensed. Jan still continued to sin some and was not yet where she needed to be for God, but he was working. His spiritual leading started by leading Jan into truth and seeking answers to the denominations, the traditional beliefs about holy communion, the baptizing of babies by sprinkling versus full immersion. When Sunday school started and many more questions that needed answers. So off to the library to get books and to read. God was working. Satan was at work. God began with what he had, Jan. But he knew that truth would get down to Deborah. I didn't know that. Jan's life was not nice. A lot of hurt, abuse, rejection. Trying to get somewhere, not knowing where. Knew very little about being a mother. Pregnancy, knew nothing. In fact, after James was born early, he stayed in an incubator for a couple of weeks. I came home and got a horrible, serious infection inside my womb. Required me to go back to the hospital. I was bleeding. Big blood clots were coming out. So sick, so sick. Husband had to leave in just a, maybe a month and go around the world with the Carl Vincent. So my mother was going to stay with me. We had a premature child. Couldn't breastfeed. Had to pump my breast to get the milk. Knew nothing about premature babies. Wasn't educated. Wasn't any classes. We used to go to the hospital every day. It took us several, an hour to get there in Portsmouth, Virginia. We got the little baby baptized by a Lutheran pastor in the NIC unit for newborns. He stayed in an incubator. And he came home at four pounds, seven ounces. I didn't know what to do with a four pound baby. He barely took any formula. And I was still sick. 
Husband was home for a little while, but he was spending days on the Carl Vinson getting ready to go around the world on a checkout cruise. Many nights he had to spend nights on duty. It was me and my mom. I had never seen my mom take care of a baby. I was still sick. That was my entry into marriage, motherhood. Husband gone. For the first eight months of James's life, husband is gone around the world on a cruise. Me and my mother. And a little baby. I was sick most of the time. I didn't know how to care or play or anything. And time husband comes back from his round-the-world cruise. James is eight months old, walking. That was a life of a military mother, wife. I kind of liked it in a way, still do. But it's not a normal way of living for most mothers. But I want to end right here this day. You're getting a deep look into Jan's life. What it was that needed to die. You're hearing slowly. It's time. And I'll get there. But you're learning. All of our lives are complicated, messed up, full of problems. Family issues, ancestor issues, curses, health issues, ignorance. But God started me back on the path. I heard his voice for the first time audibly in the my car. Never heard it. I got back in church. Started reading the Bible. Started studying. Wanted to know questions about how we get all these denominations. When did Sunday school start? What was this great awakening that went on in America? I wanted to know. About baptism, Holy Communion. Questions were coming up. I stayed faithful. I stayed in church and Sunday school. James was about three. And we'll get into more of the story in the next spiritual teaching video. Each one of us, if we wrote our life down, would have a life that most of us wouldn't even believe was true. Unbelievable. Most of us don't want to talk about it. My early years were not pretty. Sex with so many different men. Sexually forced to do things I didn't want to do. Selling drugs. Drinking and driving. Lying at work. Lying to people. Cursing my own mother. Loneliness. Fear. Most of us don't want to talk. But that was Jan's life. I can talk about it. She's gone. And you'll hear about that. As we continue. With this story. Of Pastor Deborah's life. The death of Jan. And how I became. A master teacher. A spiritual mother. 
coming against Satan, working in the occult, reaching out into deep spiritual darkness, and coming to you over YouTube. So you be encouraged. You can start off pretty bad and think there's no hope. But there is a God that loves you and is looking for you to change you. Maybe the you that you are going to have to die like Jan did. And he'll birth in you the you you're supposed to be. And he'll teach you and train you. So be encouraged. Not all is lost. I know it looks bad. You wouldn't have thought some years I was going to live emotionally. Should have been arrested and put in jail. Should have been pregnant and had an abortion. Should have been raped. Put in jail. Killed people by drinking and driving. Never was. Could have had drug overdoses. Never did. God was gracious to me. I ran with gangs. Comfortable with boys. Mafia. Violence. Sex. Group sex. Jan was not nice. I tell my story so you can see that there is hope for you. That nobody starts off right. Our ancestors were not good. They made deals and cursed us. And that curse travels. Death is around. Our enemy is around. Satan. And But so is God. So you be encouraged. Keep listening and keep following the story. It's time. Gets better. Real life stuff happened. Death and life were always there. Satan and God were always at work. You come back, the story gets great. Gets good. I mean, it's good now, but oh my gosh. I'll see you on the next part of the School of Light. Out of the Kingdom of Agape Love, Volume 1, the story called It's Time. You take care. I'll see you there. Bye-bye.